thought you were kicking it. Kenny, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you jumping in. And no problem, lads. Thanks for having me. Guest yeah. Super. Cheers, lads. One. Wanted to kick it off with a question. He's going to read out to you. Yeah, so I was watching, obviously, doing my research on you before you came in. And I was watching back to, uh, Kenny Egan back from Beijing. You remember course, that yeah, film, yeah. On a CD. <laughs> I was watching it on YouTube. It was a CD, was it? Back then, yeah. CD player yeah. Well, well. I've done my research. Nice one. Fair play, I'm impressed. But um I noticed in the I think it was in the I can't remember the name, but the high performance place, the national oh, yeah, training yeah, facility, yeah, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah. And you were talking about when they first opened up, you all got to pick a quote to put on the wall. Mm. And your quote was, um, accept your mistakes but learn from them. And you said it meant a lot to you back then, uh, reflecting on, I think it was Athens when you were trying to qualify for 2004 yeah. and some mistakes you made. just wanted to ask, does that quote still mean a lot to you today? Or if you could replace it, what would you replace it with? No, I, I live by that, you know, and, and on a continuous basis, I'm still making mistakes. I'm still learning and I'm open to mistakes because I want to continuously self-improve in anything I do. Yeah. You know, um, I'm retired a long time, 10 years this year. So I've stepped away from boxing in the competitive sense of the word mm. and delved into a bit of coaching bit of fitness uh, and other stuff as well. But I'm always trying to better myself, you know. I'll always listen to other people, see what angle they're coming at. Mm. Because the day you stop learning is the, is the day you, you end up on a scrap heap, you know. So it's important yeah. that you involve all the time in all aspects of your life. And I think I'm very open to that because, you know, I thought I knew everything, but I only know, <laughs> I, I know nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I, I keep it that way. I'm always open to different interpretations of different things. So I always stay alert and, and I'm like a sponge, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Continuously trying to self-improve all the time. Daddy, they do say, isn't it? It's like uh, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Kruger effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 But I wanted to ask you actually, because obviously boxing has been a huge part of your life for a long time. Was there ever like, I think in the documentary actually mentioned that you remember watching Mickey Crute win his gold that's medal right, yeah. and that's when it kind of kicked in. Before that, was there any other sport that you kind of loved that was always just boxing? I, I remember like there was, there was boxing in my family from an early age. The eldest brother, he was nearly 10 years older than me, boxed for Nailstown Boxing Club. So I would hear him coming in on a Friday and ask me man for subs. I didn't yeah, know what yeah, the subs yeah. meant. Yeah. You know, I always queried what's, what's he talking about subs? Until the day I decided to go over to the club myself and uh, I heard all the other kids were paying their subs on a, on a Friday, two or three euro. <laughs> Our club was a school hall for 20 years, yeah. 20 years, Nailstown Boxing Club. So oh, yeah, we'd yeah. open up the, the gates, uh, unlock the doors, set up the bags, hang them. Yeah, you can see in the documentary, set up the ring. Yeah, the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old school stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, we had that St. Peter Apostle school for over yeah. 20 years. And two hours later, we'd take all the stuff back down and leave it just as we found it. <laughs> My first day walking into Nailstown Boxing Club, there was the primary school, animals painted all over the walls. <laughs> and I thought I was going to a boxing club. Yeah. yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't fathom <laughs> this, this, you know. Like the Here's a zebra, <laughs> there's a giraffe. But it was an empty room. And then 20 minutes later, bags boxing hanging from the yeah, rafters, boxing, boxing ring erected, all good to go. There's yeah, a, yeah. a brown wooden box that used to get taken out of the store. And I remember you'd open it, was a big lock on it, but you'd open it up and you could smell the stale, sweaty leather gloves. <laughs> Old school, you know? Yeah. You, you smell it now, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that was Nailstown Boxing Club. And if you weren't quick enough, you'd end up with a blue glove and a green glove. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to get forced <laughs> to get your glove. It was rough and ready. But uh, it was a great club. But, Loads of great coaches and great boxers in it, you know. Um, mm. That's where I learned my trade, I suppose, from an early age. I had a great coach, Noel Humpson, mm. who, who guided me from right from the start. Um, you know, and, and he instilled the belief in me that there was talent there, you know. I didn't really believe there was talent there for many, many years. Yeah. I always questioned myself because I didn't have a great run at losing four, my first three all the finals. Yeah. 
heartbreaking stuff. Wanted to walk away from the sport, you know. That was it. I had enough. You mentioned, yeah, you thought about retiring. Yeah. Like 13 yeah, years. Yeah, like that's it. This is not for me. Like, heart is heartbreaking. Sport no, is, 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 you know, it's tough. It is tough. Especially young kids can't process a loss in yeah. front of your family and friends in yeah. a national stadium. You know, where you're supposed to be winning these things, but yeah. getting beaten, it's, it's horrendous. Especially in boxing. Because, like, at least in football, there's 10 other lads. Yeah, you can blame someone else, sir. It's a lonely place in boxing. Yeah, I you can hide and stuff in, in different sports. And I've tried different sports, tried a bit of football. It wasn't great, to be honest with you. You know, <laughs> still not great. Uh, Ga, bit of basketball, bit of tennis, all those different sports. But I always came back to boxing because I felt I kind of comfortable. I felt comfortable in a boxing gym Yeah. and, and comfortable in a boxing ring, you know. Yeah, but like yeah. I said, I wasn't very talented at the start. Yeah. Uh, coordination wasn't great. But uh, I started off boxing as an orthodox boxer because I'm right-handed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two or three years into it, my coach, Noel, said, would you just turn southpaw for a while and see what that's like? Really, yeah? Yeah, because I was better on my feet southpaw. So I'm a right-handed southpaw, which is quite rare. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I just felt breed. better on my feet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when people were fighting me then, Hard thinking I was a southpaw, yeah. they taught me power shot with my left hand. Yeah, right. But when they were getting hit with right hooks, they soon found out yeah. that, <laughs> that strong hand was, was my lead hand, you know, and that... I carried that right through my career, you know. My lead hand was very busy. It was my strong hand, and 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 it worked out, worked worked out great for me. That was just something the coach picked up on. Yeah, he just said, "Try it one day. Just give it a go." He'd seen it. That you know, unorthodox. I was falling over a little bit. Coordination yeah, wasn't yeah. great. I remember, you know, this is how bad I was like, starting off. You got an old leather mitt. Mitts were talking about the, with the smell off them. I yeah. used to roll it up and put it under my chin because I used to turn my head when I punched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad habit, turning my head around when I punched. Didn't like getting hit. Didn't want to. You know, so you got the leather mitt, rolled it up under my chin. Now keep that mitt under your chin and yeah. off we go. And that was it. <laughs> it's crazy, wisdom. isn't it? But it's great though. These little things that you pick up. And uh, so that stopped me from turning my head. Yeah, you learn uh, fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. <laughs> and when it came to like the actual getting into the ring and, you know, punching someone else and getting punched in the face, was that something that was, you felt comfortable in from the start? Or was there a period of kind of getting used to that? Yeah, start early, early days, you know, you're getting into a club, you're, like you're sparring your mates. They're all yeah. friends in the club and, and, you know, you're not really hitting clean, you're not, you know, you're throwing slaps yeah. and you're, you're not really connecting hard. You wouldn't have much power when you're young, but when you start to grow that little bit more and you need to get more, better coordination and your time and your distance and all those different things that come with improving in the sport, yeah. then you just kind of get a feel for it then, you know, and I never liked getting hit. Mm. I know it's crazy to say that, you know, being in the sport I was in, but... I didn't like getting punched clean. If I got clean, I'd be upset with myself for getting hit. Okay, yeah. And I'd question, why did I get hit with that shot? You know? And I'd make sure I, w I wouldn't get hit with the same shot twice. Mm -hmm. You know that kind of way? Mm -hmm. So I was a counter-puncher right from the start. And I, I watched the old videos of me fighting out in uh, Birmingham and, and Luton and all these little small villages in, around England yeah. in club shows. And I used to box on the back foot all the time and I'd turn my opponents on the hook and never stay in the one spot. My mum always said, I had a great pair of legs. <laughs> you know because I danced around the ring yeah 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 um, and that got me out of trouble an awful lot you know I wasn't one of these guys that would stand toe to toe and, just go and mix it, it up yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not me that's 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 madman boxing you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was on the feet all the time and I became a great counter puncher so setting up yeah, attacks yeah. and getting good fainting going and all you know but didn't really like getting hit for right from the start and right to the end you know in those big years you're in a dressing room wrapping your hands and you're thinking to yourself what the hell am I doing this mm -hmm. for yeah. That nervous energy coming up in your stomach and you're going, I'm going out here to step into a ring and fight another man that wants to take my <laughs> yeah. head off. Why am I doing this? Like, I could have picked up darts or pool <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I felt alive. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, Jesus. Like It's like you're going into a coliseum. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going in there now and he wants to take your head off. Yeah. I have to try and outthink him and outsmart him. And again, I wasn't the biggest puncher in my yeah. division. So I had to rely on my... my uh, Fainting, my, my plan, my plan of attack, my yeah. counter punching, my movement, my footwork. 
There's some lads in the in the weight division were big diggers, you know, knockout artists. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you get hit once, yeah. you're gone. So it was my in, in my interest not to be getting hit in the tall. It was good to throw a whole fight, and that's a hard thing to do, you know. So uh, yeah, a lot of talk on into that. No, for sure. And mm. did you have any just mentioned there, like getting warmed up and in your head, you're like, oh Jesus, what am I doing now? Did you have any like superstitions or like rituals that you would do before a fight? No, like, no superstitions at all. Actually, you know that's a good one. You know, like if I turned up odd socks, they go on. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a red bandage and a blue bandage. Too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm a non-believer. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. if I don't come across like that, like uh, half atheist, if you like, but I don't believe <laughs> in anything. You know, that, yeah, in that yeah, sense. Yeah. But you know, I just had a thought in my head like I'm going to go out here and try and perform to the best I can you know and mm-hmm. me and, and especially on the international stage we travelled all over the world myself and Billy Walsh mm. he's from Wexford a gas man head coach uh, we'd have great crack in the dressing room bit yeah. of slagging bit of banter yeah, and the whole yeah, lot yeah. but then when the hands got wrapped serious mode you'd visualise who you're fighting if you'd known him from the circuit you'd picture how he's going to yeah, yeah, start yeah. his fight yeah. what you do to counteract his punching all on the pads Two or three rounds of pads and I'm good to go. I don't like to overdo it, that type of stuff. So you're in, you're on, and then off you go. But there was always that bit of banter with me and me and Billy, where other boxers would be quite serious, but he knew the temperament and the personality of everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how yeah. he operated, you know. He was a great man for knowing different personalities. The individual sort of yeah, yeah. approach so for Kenny Some lad versus... wouldn't want to talk, grand yeah, leave him alone. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I looked a bit of slag and a bit of banter. Just the, the distraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until the pads, bit of pad work, focus out to the ring, and that was it, you know? John. Yeah. I know we mentioned Mickey Crute earlier. Was there any other boxers you looked up to early on who you modeled? You know what? Or? Like I never got totally consumed by boxing, watching okay, it on yeah. TV or YouTube or any of these type of stuff. It just you know, my eldest brother Willie boxed. He was Irish champion underage. He was involved in boxing, and he brought me off the club. Went over with him, and uh, that was just the start of it. I'm not going to say I'm a boxing fanatic. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a boxing fanatic. I don't. That's. I'd be telling lies if I said that. I couldn't name off all the world champions and all this type of stuff. You know. We'd, yeah. I enjoyed the amateur boxing. I enjoyed the sport. I enjoyed what I what it gave to me and watching other very good amateurs and how they'd box. The likes of Golovkin or mm. Karabov, another Russian, or Makarenko, another Russian. All these type of really skilled boxers. Now, a lot of people would know these people because yeah. they only know the Mayweather's and the Hattons yeah, and all these type boys, of stuff. Yeah. But on the top class amateur boxing. Um, there was lads that you'd watch and go, Jesus, I'm gonna try that. Yeah, you know. But uh no, that was it. Like so and I didn't have stacks this high of old world champions and sit yeah, up till yeah. four in the morning watching videotapes. I wasn't yeah. that much <laughs> into it, you know. But yeah, I enjoyed yeah, what yeah. I was doing. Going down to the club three nights a week and it was fun at the start, you know, tipping away with yeah, the, yeah. in the club, the club environment, getting your weekends off and having a bit of crack. But uh never really did it get serious until, you know, the mid teens to late teens where mm-hmm. you're winning Irish titles. And they're knocking at the door for you to wear the Irish vest. Yeah. You know, that's, it, that's yeah. nice. And you're going, Jesus, I must be good here. Again, that, not fully believing in myself. Yeah, yeah. Irish vest, me, you know. Like, am, am I that good? Yeah. Like, I don't think I'm that good. Yeah. So that was always there. Like, the talent was there, but I didn't really believe how talented I was, you know. Yeah. Do you think On, that kind of stood to you in a way? Like, it gave you, you had to prove yourself more? I don't, yeah, I don't know because, you know, I went to Wales in my first international at 16 and I, was I think that's a, actually in the documentary. Yeah, I was yeah, boxing yeah. the guy, he was Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he came fast six inches well. taller than me, you know, <laughs> but I caught him with a couple of clean shots mm. and, and stopped him in a round or whatever, you know, and I thought it was the bee's knees, I was yeah, a great bloke, yeah, yeah. you know, um, but at the time, a 16-year-old winning his first international bout representing Ireland, it's mm. amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But looking back at it, the, the guy that I beat wasn't great. So yeah. what do you yeah. do with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My forty-one-year-old self sitting here going, oh, "I wasn't really that good." But <laughs> yeah. back then, it was amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. You know yourself. As years go on, you kind of look at things and go, "Well, that was only alright, or this was great, yeah, or whatever." Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but back then, that was the first international, a win, amazing. Represent me, country. This is super. 
But look, seeing the video, like you said there, yeah, you know, yeah. he was he was all right. Just, <laughs> was his name? Justin Jones, was it? Could have been. Right, yeah. yeah, so. We'll be you watching know. this now, we might. <laughs> might be, yeah, but look. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you were... 16, the first time you represented Ireland. Yeah. And you were 26 when you went to the Olympics, is it? Yeah. yeah. So obviously, those are kind of like pivotal years as yeah. like a young man, like you're 18, you're 21st, graduating skill, all that sort of stuff. Taking boxing so seriously, did you kind of have to miss out on those kind of big moments? Or? Well, I, I, I never had an 18, never had a 21st, you know. Didn't really bother me because I was born on the 7th of January. So the national seniors, especially, and all the Irish titles were in the February. So you were okay. training right through Christmas. Yeah through January and then you're getting ready for the seniors in the February right. so I had no time to I never never celebrate my birthday really because of uh, yeah. how, how I fell on the 7th of January so but that didn't bother me you know um, I knew that the, the main objective was to, to get myself into shape get my weight right yeah. and be ready for the national seniors I always wanted to be senior champion my brother got to a few finals he got beaten um, so when I was coming up to the ranks winning after me for three losses I went on to, to win 15 consecutive Irish titles 10 of them being senior consecutive titles it, no one else in the country in has row, ever yeah, won 10 in a row year. In any sport, yeah, yeah. So yes. I have my own Dominance, record and ten yeah, yeah. consecutive, thirteen finals. Got beaten in my last three by Joe Ward, obviously, but so thirteen finals, but ten consecutive wins. So, but uh, you know that fourth senior at nineteen, you know, I was the underdog. Was only kind of raw enough going into it. Yeah. Wasn't expected to win, but went out and won the title, and that was one of my best achievements. Yeah, put my foot on the on the on the ground, saying, you know what, senior champion now. I'm the best in the country at my way. Yeah, you know, that age as well. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I was delighted with myself. Uh, and unfortunately, me, me, me coach Noel Humpson wasn't around to see it. He passed away the year previous, so that was unfortunate. Um, that was tough, tough to handle. But uh, yeah, he, like it was great to win that senior title for the club. We'd never won a title like that before, so I was the first one to win a senior title for Nailstown. And then to go on then and win ten of them, you know, oh, yeah. was uh, unbelievable. Was was a good one. I know, obviously, Beijing is the big one that you know the silver medal. Before Beijing, there was Athens in two thousand and four, and yeah. I know that that was when you tried to qualify for, but. Didn't make it. So I, I come onto the team, if you like, in 2001, I won my first senior title. Yeah. So in amateur boxing, you have to be senior champion before you get selected for international duty. Okay. So that's a given, right? So won my senior title, all of a sudden then I'm on the team. You're getting the green vest, you're getting your tracksuit. And there was a few multi-nations on that year. And then the big one was the World Championships in Belfast, the Odyssey Arena. It's the first time Ireland held the World Championships. Right. So I was part of the team. I'm on a World Championship team in 19 here. This is amazing. Went up there, got beaten in the last day, got beaten for a medal by a Cuban. Carl Frotch won a bronze up there. David oh. Hay won the silver. Oh, yeah, yeah, so that area, you know. Good competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so David Hay fought a Cuban solace in the final. David Hay had the Cuban down in the fourth round. Cuban got back up and stopped David Hay in the second. You know, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, like oh, yeah. David Hay was a serious fighter back then. Like serious puncher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god. Animal. <laughs> we were in a training camp in Limerick a couple of weeks before the world championship, but he came over. Carl Frotch and all came over. I got cut. Sparring Carl Frotch. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Cut the eye. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even back then, now he's a couple of years older than me, but I could feel his man strength. Yeah, yeah. The difference. And we only done a round or something, but he gave me a, whatever punch it was. It was right hand, but he, and he cut me, so I had to get out of the ring. But I didn't spar him for the rest of the camp. But I could feel his power. Yeah, and I can only imagine what he'd be like in being in the ring room for twelve rounds. <laughs> you know, not quite brilliantly, not very technical, but yeah, a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd break your heart, he would more than anything else. So uh, that was great sparring, but it was only short lived. And then he went to the world championships, won a bronze. He went pro straight away after it. And right. so did David Hay. Oh, so okay. they didn't go to the Olympics in 20, 2004. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they went pro straight off. They had a different ambitions. So I was senior champion. Went to the world championships. Got to the last eight. Things were looking good. You know, top 10 in the world. Brilliant. Uh, then 2002, uh, three and four. 2002, there wasn't much happening. 2003 was the start of the high performance. Yeah. 
So there wasn't really much happening as in guidance before the world high performance. Um, there was a few coaches being brought in part-time to yeah. look after the team that was there. Then they'd go, then the other coaches would come in. So there was no real strong structure right. or no familiar faces all the time, you know. So they, they wouldn't really know what we were, what level we were at, mm. what fitness, what conditioning. Yeah. That was just, we didn't have the funding for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were going away and getting beaten quite early in different competitions, not really getting any good medals. And then obviously the start of high performance then was when Irish, Irish boxing changed yeah. forever, you know. Uh, I remember being in the gym, in the old gun room in the National Stadium where we used to train. We used to have one ring down the end of the room and loads of floor space. And you'd go in and you'd wait for your call to get into the spark because only one ring. So yeah, three yeah, or four yeah. lads in the ring at the Actually, time. So you'd yeah. like a queue. Shocking stuff, you know, waiting, yeah. There, <laughs> yeah, waiting to get in the ring. Trying to stay yeah. warm, half warm to get in the spark. <laughs> and uh, it was a Saturday morning. And I remember Gary Keegan walked in, didn't know him from Adam. And uh, he, he presented himself. I'm Gary Keegan. I'm the new director of the high performance. Never even heard of the word yeah, uttered yeah. in the gym. Yeah. I'm looking at other lads. Oh, high performance. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm here to change Irish boxing forever. We were all senior champions here and they were sparring probably the finalists yeah. all together. We're all together and we're all looking at each other. Just going to train full time, twice a day, six days a week. We're going to start mixing it with the best in the world. Mm. With a serious face, he said this now. A straight face, even. We were all looking at going, ah, here. Who's this? <laughs> Give me a break. Didn't know him from Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he drew an imaginary line across the floor with his foot. He says, if anyone's interested in this journey, step across the line. And I stepped across first because I knew I wanted to change. We weren't winning that. We weren't, yeah, we weren't great. Yeah, yeah. We were all right. And other international countries seen us as, oh, the Irish are great for about a round. Yeah. And they get tired and they get sloppy and they mm. get beat, you know. So I stepped across. Then the rest of us, another one, another one, another one. All of a sudden, the whole 15 or 16 stepped across. Mm. That was it. Lo and behold, I didn't know what this high performance entailed you know yeah, yeah, what yeah. was it going to be I just yeah I need change yeah. and of course they brought in Zor Antia from Georgia Billy yeah. Walsh so our physiotherapist um, doctors the whole lost strength conditioning and this was our camp now and we all came together as a unit now, the 15 lads there good strong team a couple of different weights with talent and off we went and they went out and got inflatable mattresses we slept on the gym floor with no money for accommodation or anything like that. This was rough and ready now. Senior champions on a, on a floor. Yeah, the best in the country. I lived in Clondalkin, as you know, so I remember I had a big black suitcase I used to bring with me on a Tuesday morning on the bus, the 21A from me to stay up into Inchicore, jump off, get a 19 then from Inchicore up to the stadium. Two buses <laughs> and two buses back on a Friday. But I had my case full to the brim of clothes for training. They're training twice a day. Oh, I can imagine, sweating, yeah. Sweating, the gear, right? I bring it into the, the stadium Operate out, operate out a case for the week, twice a day, all the dirty wet gear back into the case, back in the buses home to the house. I'd leave it in front of my washing machine in my mum's house, right? Just park it there. And two days later, I'd come back and it's all clean and folded. It's magic, isn't it? I still can't what what understand that mystery. It still, still bamboozles me, you know? But uh, that was my life for the first eight or nine months. And it was rough and ready. And uh, those 15 bodies started dwindling. Right, yeah. Lads were pulling away. Oh, yeah. I have to go back to work. I'm not into the full-time training, you know? And all of a sudden, then there's about four or five of us. Now, the problem we had with the high performance was, well, what a problem, but other countries didn't want to know us in yeah. relation to training camps and stuff because they knew yeah. about our culture and our behavior. Yeah. And we weren't saints. We went across, we boxed, we went on the piss. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the way it was, you know. And I'd seen that from older boxers I was part of, part of teams with, so I just carried, I followed suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when Gary came in and it got serious and we got the structure right and everything was going well and the training was serious and Zor, Jesus... He never looked at his watch, you know. Right. Not about round, three minute rounds. No chance. No such yeah. thing. He'd go until 
you had your last breath and Billy would have to tap on the shoulder Zor come on now yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. here two hours here you know but uh, Zor just loves boxing just loves it so we, I remember Gary telling us he contacted the, the French to try and get in for a training camp the French no 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 we don't like the Irish the Irish is a bit crazy yeah, right, no yeah, no, yeah. no so you can imagine the Irish lads just in limbo not being able to yeah, yeah, mix yeah, with yeah. different teams you know And uh, but Gary kept emailing 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 and finally the French director says okay we can have you over for a camp nice. so off we went Went over to lovely Intersport in, in France, the whole, about five or six of us. And we trained there for two weeks and we got our asses kicked. Different level. Their conditioning, their fitness, their attitude, their, yeah. the, you know, the way they operated was brilliant. And we got better around the place. That was okay. We were learning though, you know. Mm-hmm. So we come back from there and we we done a little bit of analysis and we said, right, what do we need to do? Improve our fitness, our conditioning, our stamina, all that stuff. You know, and Zor was working on the technical side, making yeah. how to be a better yeah. boxer. Each boxer d- individually. So I'd be a counterpuncher, working on my skills. Paddy Barnes, a fighter, working on his skills, yeah. whatever, you know. So we went back to France then a couple of months later and we were holding our own again. We were getting better, fitter, stronger, you know. And uh, the French were kind of surprised. And then we went to Germany then. That was even better, you know. We were moving across Europe, getting invited to these places because we were behaving ourselves and training and, and competing yeah, well, yeah, you know. Yeah. So it was good. And then uh, they come up with the great idea, let's go to Moscow. Yes. And I'm saying, why do you want to go there? <laughs> yeah, what's there? <laughs> because I'd known the Russians were the best in the world at yeah, the time, yeah, early, yeah, yeah. mid-2000s, 2005, 6, 7, 8. They were unstoppable, you know? Yeah. And they could pick, they'd have 100 senior boxers they could pick any 11. You know, frightening, the depth they had, you know? So we decided to go to Russia in the, in a November of 2005. And it was freezing. I can imagine winter in Russia. Snow was up to your knees, yeah. Go into this training camp and we're all going to bed. We landed that night quite, quite late. Went to bed, up the next morning. We all had to line out seven o'clock in the morning, a big straight line in front of the coaches. The coaches had the book in front of them. They'd speak the lingo in the Russian. Zora would translate it to us, you know, what the session was going to be for the day. And I'm standing there listening to what you're saying. And then I heard Zora, and I just put my head out the line and looked up the line. And there about 90 Russian boxers there. Yeah. <laughs> and there's only five or six of us. I'm going, jeez, this is going to be a long two weeks, here, this here. <laughs> long two weeks. And they're not very social, you know? Yeah. They look yeah. like they just, everyone just wants to kill you, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I started training off, obviously went into the gym and the gym was like two basketball courts right? divided up into squares. So one basketball court would be divided up into eight, eight squares yeah, yeah, yeah. with ropes. So they're the boxing rings. Okay, okay yeah. Fantastic setup, light years ahead of us. And the canvas was like a, a, a mattress, real soft. So you couldn't dance around. Again, I said I was a counter puncher, yeah, I like yeah. to move. Not here. No moving over there. <laughs> you stand your ground and you hope for the best. <laughs> so every morning you're getting up and it's cold and you're going out for your walk at seven o'clock, you're back, have your breakfast, then your plan is you're going out sparring or your tech tack or whatever it is. Your tech and tech is supposed to be nice and easy, but they don't care. They're yeah, baiting yeah, the head yeah. off you. And yeah. it was just horrendous two weeks, but they're learning from it. It was brilliant, you know. You're looking at these lads and they're they're all medalists, world medalists, Olympic medalists. And we see what they do, you know. And we're just robbing all the information from them. Yeah. That's all so you can cool. do, you know. Stroking all the data, yeah. Yeah, 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 and we were looking at a great, a fantastic bit of bit of data that we we kind of worked on was when we were sparring. They recorded all the sparring and stuff, you know. But yeah. when we were doing, we were watching our sparring back in Dublin. And it just shows you now the difference. So our sparring would consist of you get in and you do your sparring, but we would make something happen or attack or do something every five to seven to eight seconds. So engage in, in an attack yeah, or yeah. something right? five to seven, five to eight seconds. When we recorded the Russians, it was every three seconds. Right, okay. it's more active. Exactly. So they were light years ahead of us. That's how busy they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that could be fainting or faint attack or faint slip attack, but there was always something happening. Whereas we were sitting there waiting on something to happen. Yeah, yeah. Eight yeah. seconds is a yeah, lifetime when yeah. you're in a in fight a ring, for yeah. four two-minute rounds. Yeah. 
you need to be off the ball straight away making stuff happen so we took that you know that yeah, analysis yeah, and we yeah. put it into our own training so we upped our tempo then mm. but when you up the tempo what happens you have That's to improve it. your conditioning yeah. of course so the whole thing was flipped on its head we need to be operating at a higher level here faster for longer you know yeah so that was great learning just to see what they were doing you know um and look it was hard the training camps are very hard i wouldn't wish them on anyone yeah <laughs> but great learning coming back in the plane you know and i remember god love gary keegan he got the brainwave <laughs> to buy all these weighted vests oh yeah with the russian russian flag was on the but bringing these home then we'll use these to go train and build us up and this type of stuff you know and uh we got to the airport and what happened no, we get, we get charged for weight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't talk to me. You've got to take the credit card. I don't know what it cost. He <laughs> <laughs> never thought, you know, you get getting for yeah, extra yeah. weight. Sure. He must have had about 20 vests. Oh, oh God. A lesson learned, you know. But we brought them back and we, and we yeah. used them. And you they got the medal in the end, so. Yeah. 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 What I loved about that, Kenny, is when you're in those situations and you see other people who are just better, right? There's like one or two ways you can take it. One is, fuck this. Like, these boys are just too good. I'm going to pick up darts or something else. Or it's like, there's something I can learn from these boys. And if I take what they're doing and apply it to my craft, I can maybe reach their level, even surpass that level. Yeah, yeah. And it was deadly. You took that approach. Was that general across the team? Or was there some boys who, you know, it was did kind of see it as like, ah, do you know what? I don't think I'll get there. I might as well sack it up now. Well, it all, like, there was a couple of good lads on the team, you know. Andy Lee was there was as well. And, and yeah. there was a few good lads. The other lads then, who probably wouldn't have won their senior title the following year, would just fade away. Yeah. Fade away, yeah. So... Me being the 10-time senior champ, I was part of the team every year for 10 years. So I was doing all this travelling out of a suitcase for 10 years, a decade. Some commitment, yeah. So I think I'm the longest the longest reigning senior boxer that has gone around internationally. You know, yeah. once you lose your senior title, you kind of struggle to get back on the team. You're not yeah. getting selected for teams and you're yeah. probably sent with the odd multinational, but you won't be getting your big ones, you know. So I was the probably the busiest right throughout that decade from 2001 to 2010, 11. So a lot of travelling, but in Russia, you look out the window one morning, and there was kids like, I don't know, eight or nine, shadow boxing. Yeah. But you want to see their technique. Perfect. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I'm going, if I had learned what they're learning at their age, I could have been probably better. Yeah. But my boxing was good. I was a senior champion at the time, right, 2001 yeah, yeah, to yeah. 2003, before the high performance started. I was, you know, I thought it was a, I don't know, eight out of ten, I, I said, yeah, you know. Yeah. I thought it was decent, like, you know. Yeah. But when Zara came in and he, he watched me boxing and sparring and stuff, you know, and I asked him, what do you think? Uh, you're two out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, yeah, yeah. seen you mention that in the talk. I've seen that in this fella, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I could have took that two ways. Yeah, First yeah. way, could have rebelled and says, you know what, you know nothing. Get out of here. Yeah, I'm yeah. not listening to you anymore. Right? I've done my own thing. But I didn't. I says, right, I'm a two out of ten. I said, make me an eight out of ten. I'm open to open to here to, for this journey. Yeah. Educate me. You know? And that's what happened. We just built up that connection then. Yeah. He loved the crack as well. Loved a bit of slagging. He was a great man and... That was the start of our relationship then. That two out of ten then, five years later, you know, working with him twice a day, six days a week, learning, learning, repetition, you know, not the man for repetition, the same warm-up every yeah, morning, yeah, yeah. you know. But it was those small little things that you bring into your fight that would that would matter, you know. 100%. And then that two out of ten then creeped up then to what I, I, I thought it would have been in around the Olympic gear would have been eight out of ten, you know, yeah. with boxing yeah. well. Would he agree with you or... Huh? Would he have agreed with you that you're an 8 out of 10? Well, jeez, I never asked him. I never asked him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> See what he said. <laughs> funny he said that because after the Olympics, he said that he had a dream that uh, I got to a final and I was fighting Arthur Bethabiev in the final. The two of us reached the final. No way. And I beat him in the final. Really? Yeah, that was his dream in the Olympics. But Arthur got beaten early. Yeah. And I okay. ended up with Zhang in the final. So his dream kind of yeah, was yeah. scuppered, you know. <laughs> but uh, even in that last training camp before Beijing, we went to Russia. Okay. Right. And I felt comfortable going to Russia this time. You know, we yeah, had yeah. been in Russia a few times before that. But he said, right, our, our pre-camp for the Olympic Games, we're going to Russia, out of Vladivostok. 
right? Little fishing island at the corner, two hour flight from Beijing. Right. So we went to Beijing first, left all our gear there, our suits, all our bits and bobs yeah, in the Olympic yeah. Village. The Olympic Village was empty. Nothing happened because it was, we were early. Left all our gear in, and then we jumped back in a plane, flew back out to Vladivostok for two weeks. <laughs> The train with the, see, Zara Even had a great connection with the Russian terrifying. team, you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great connection. So the invite is out. You have to get an invite. Okay. The Venezuelans were out there. They never got an invite and they weren't allowed into the camp. So they were on their own training in Vladivostok. Right. No invite. So we were invited <laughs> to train with the Russians, which is a great, this is a great yeah. thing. And I remember on the last day of sparring, Zor had the brainwave. Kenny, you were sparring better be off. I said, okay, Russian. that's fair enough, I said, right. And the same thing, the canvas nice and soft. Yeah. I yeah, run yeah. around the place. And we done far two minute rounds, the same as Olympic fight. And it was a really good, tough spar, you know? I remember at the end of the spar, there was no words exchanged. I just looked over at Zor, and he gave me a wink and a nod of approval. Right. I said, Jesus, we're in business here. I'm in good shape. Yeah, that yeah. was a good four rounds. We went out to Beijing then, got settled, and then off, and the rest is history, you know? So yeah, yeah, the yeah. work was getting done. We were learning from 2003. Imagine being in Russia in 2008. That was five years. Being able to feel comfortable in the ring with a world champion. Yeah. European champion. Oh. Whatever else you'd had, any amount of medals. So... That gave me a great boost myself, saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm up here now. Can hold Absolutely, your own. Yeah. Good things can happen here now if we keep me nerve, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said in one of your talks, probably a multiple, but one I heard anyways, was um, you said that you won your Olympic medal in Athens and went yeah. to Beijing to collect it. What yeah. did you mean by that? What I meant by that was, I went to try and qualify for Athens four years previous, right? And I failed all three times because, yeah. to be honest with you, and I've said it publicly, I, I didn't really believe in myself. I wasn't yeah. committed to the cause, I was training and I was taking time off and I was messing and training and back and forth and mm. didn't really des deserve that spot, right? And I know athletes that train really, really hard and earn their place in Olympic Games and you pat them on the back and say, yeah. you know what, nice one. I didn't. Yeah. So we failed the three attempts and it was heartbreaking and I was going to retire again after that as well. That was it, the show was over. But, you know, with the, the belief in the system, the high performance and all the people involved in the high performance, like the Gary Keegan, Billy Walsh, Zora, Andy, John Cleary, who were there to make us better. You know, they really wanted to see us uh, prosper and shine and, and be the best we could be. To perform, it was all a performance-based. That's what Gary always said. Just go out and perform. Forget about results. Forget about outcomes. Forget about referees, judges, and that crap. Performance. So we trusted in the program. And if you think about it, it's a big risk, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to commit to four more years of your life, oh, yeah. not knowing the outcome. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to qualify. But to say, you know what, my chips are in again here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in the system. I believe in the coaching. Let's go again. Let's give it one more go. And they say another 10,000 hours. Mm. You know, that's what they say, a 10,000 Olympic oh, cycle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and you're back on the plane. You're living out with that black suitcase yeah, again. Yeah. You know, traveling the world, winning, losing, all sorts. With four more years going, right, what happens at the end of this? So after that, those last qualifiers for Athens, I didn't go. I remember Billy Walsh contacted me. Now, I was finished with boxing at this stage. I had enough of it in yeah. 2004. He was going to a training camp with Andy Lee because he qualified. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, the yeah. only one that qualified for Athens okay, 2004. Yeah. yeah. So he wanted me to go over to France to a training camp with him. I didn't want to go. No, sure, I'm not qualified. I'm not going anywhere. Look, come over, just keep him company. So he's on his own. So he said, right, I decided to go over. I remember traveling over with my black suitcase. <laughs> we got the training camp done. I was doing a little bit of light training, a little bit of sparring, but he was doing all the hard work, you know, because he was getting ready. And yeah. uh, we were leaving on the last day, two of us. I remember I was packing my case, throwing on my dirty training gear into it, and he was packing his Olympic bag mm. with the five rings on it. All the fancy track suits. Yeah, Everything yeah. had Olympic rings on it. It was gorgeous stuff. <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> and I was full of resentment going, look at him. Yeah. I'm going back to Dublin. He's heading to Athens. You know, disgusted with myself. Just disgusted that I didn't qualify. And uh, so that was it. I was walking away from the sport after that little camp. But then, you know, getting back into the training then, meeting up with Gary and Billy and all again. You know, let's give this one more go here. Let's do it right. 
So the high performance is only in operation one year before the Olympics came around. Yeah, so yeah. there wasn't really that much of a gel. We were learning a bit from each other. Yeah. So four year cycle then, you know. But that qualifier you're talking about, we went back to Athens to qualify. Yeah. That last qualifier was in Athens. And I was fighting the German vice okay. in the semi final. Now, whoever won that fight was going to the Olympics. You just had to reach a final. Straight that qualifier. Yeah, goes, yeah. Right? Now, we won two fights before that. This was the qualifying fight. Right. He'd won two fights, qualifying fight. So, this was all on the line here between the two of us. I'd sparred him two or three months before this in Germany. And it was a very close spar. Like, right. I couldn't say, you've got to win this. Yeah, yeah. This was 50-50. And that's what makes this fight so important. Yeah. And so memorable. Because this, is, this, is, this, is, this changed my life forever. So, we're in the ring. Fourth round, I sit back in the stool. They give me the scars on a little screen in the corner. It was two all. Grant, right, sitting there, not panicking, right, good stuff. Back out again, boxing away. Sit back in the stool, four all. I think it was four all. It was level anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. Run now rounds here. No real gap here, real tight, yeah, yeah. real cagey. Didn't want to make mistakes, either of us. But they went to the third round. Off we went, and it's like time stood still. And all these thoughts come into my head. What if I don't qualify? Yeah. I just remembered as an eight time senior champion. I want to be the Olympian. I need to be the Olympian. What am I going to do if I don't be the Olympian? What job will I do? All this crazy stuff. And I, like, it could have went on in my head for, gee, God knows how long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it must have been just a split second because yeah. the word stop came into my head. Stop. And I snapped back out with that little trance and the first thing I thought of, just land the next score. Just one more point. Just one point. Land that next score. And I landed a clean score. Then I made a miss and I scored again. Probably another shot. Then I set in the stool. I was three or four points up going into the last round. Went out. Boxed brilliant again, won a couple of fights, and then I went back to the corner. I knew we'd won the fight, but yeah. I went back out into the centre for the referee to raise my arm. And when he raised my arm and I dropped to my knees, Ooh. that's where I won my medal. Yeah. I just went to Beijing to collect it because I qualified. The monkey was off the back. Yeah, I put yeah. so much pressure on myself to be the Olympian, that nearly wiped me out again. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I just said, that's it now, I'm there now, that's it. Whatever happens out there, I don't care. I'm going to go out there now and box with a smile on my face. I have that tracksuit that Andy had, <laughs> the five rings. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to stick that on me now, I'm going to wear it with pride. I'm an Olympian. That's all it was. I just wanted to be the Olympian. Yeah, and that came through in the documentary, to be fair. It felt like, obviously you wanted to win a medal and do well over there, but just getting there itself felt yeah, like yeah, it meant yeah. so much to you. Even talking to him here, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we never even mentioned medals, no. right? No, not at all. We went out to Russia, like I said, trained away, and just performance, performance, performance. Gary was talking about, we do our analysis on our opponents, one round at a time, one fight at a time. Yeah. And that's how we operate in the Olympics. I didn't know who we had to beat to win a medal. Yeah. Whoever got forced, Julius Jackson, right, Virgin Islands. I know him, I beat him a year previous, quite easily. And uh, I had him forced. I said, this is a perfect fight to get me going. Yeah. Went there, same thing, beat by 20 points or something. Quite easy. So I was the first one in off the team to, the, uh, yeah, to, yeah. to, to They all went to the opening ceremony in the board's nest. Nice. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I couldn't go because I was waiting the next day. <laughs> so I'm sitting there on a little telly in my apartment on my own watching the opening ceremony. They're all like, waving <laughs> flags and yeah. high-fiving us saying bold and all, you know. <laughs> I'm at home on my own, yeah, right? Yeah. I didn't mind that though, you know. So I went there forced, won before. So I, I was captain of the team. So oh. And... Uh, Going home then, the last, I was the last one in the ring. And I remember saying to, I think it was Marty Morris or Billy Walsh, I'd be the first man in, the last man out. And I worked out that way. Yeah, I was yeah. forced in the last day, I got yeah. to the final. But I got pulled in for testing, for drug oh, testing, okay, yeah, after yeah, the yeah. final. So I'm in this, in a boo, couldn't pass urine because I was dehydrated, no, drinking fluids, yeah, fluids, yeah. fluids. So I was going to be the flag bearer for the closing ceremony. Missed that as well because <laughs> I was sitting there watching the closing ceremony <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> so there I am, uh, you know. But I didn't care. I was sitting there with a medal in my back pocket. Yeah, exactly. you know? Well, I hadn't got the medal yet, but yeah, yeah. the ceremony was going to be. And you know, um, if people had said to me, if anyone had said to me, you know, if you're offered a silver medal at the start of the games, I would have took it with both hands. Yeah, you know? yeah. We went out there to, to have fun, enjoy myself, the whole experience. You know, you're in a canteen with five thousand people. 
yeah. a canteen that seats 5,000. And you're meeting all these people that you see on TV. And <laughs> Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, the Serena, or Serena Williams and her sister. Yeah, and yeah. You know, all these people just wandering mm. around. They're all doing the same thing. Competing to try and win as best uh, best medal they can, you know. It's amazing. Um, but it, yeah, like I said, so you offered me that medal at the start. I would have took with both hands because I didn't know what way it was going to go. But just yeah. all of a sudden, I beat Julius Jackson. And then, uh, right, that was him out of the way. Who have I got next? That's all I cared about. Who have I got next? Bit of analysis on him. Yeah, okay. He throws this, he does this. Or he moves his head that yeah. way or whatever it was. Grant. A couple of rounds in the pads and off we went again, you know? And all of a sudden then I found myself in the final. Yeah, just step by step. Step by step, punch by punch, round by round. Unbelievable. There's two things that you said that stuck out with me. Firstly, just a coincidence that when you said Gary Keegan came in at the high performance and he's like, draw the line in the sand, let's mm. call it and say who's in, who's out. And you were the first one to step over the line. And then in Beijing, you were the first one to step into the ring as well. So just coincidence how that worked out. But more importantly, something that we have in the book, rule number five, is focus on the process, not the outcomes. And there was like three distinct times there that you were like, Focusing on the process, not the outcomes, particularly in that qualifier in Athens against the journalists. Like, right, if you had a state in that mind of like, oh, fuck, what if I don't qualify? If, what job will I do? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, in those situations, you're too focused on the outcome. Maybe you just throw it a haymaker just to try land something that you know, you do something that you shouldn't that ends up pulling you back. Yeah. But being able to pull yourself back into the moment and focus on, right, just the next thing, the next thing. And then similarly with the fights, like, who's the next fight? Who's the next fight? Who's the next fight? And then by magic, you end up in an Olympic final. It's like, nah, it's step by step. But like it's amazing that when you go back to that fight against the German, like my life could have been totally different. Mm. Like genuinely, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you no. boys. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely, you know, I wouldn't because I wouldn't have a story to tell. Yeah. Like the story that I have to tell, you know. I wouldn't be going around now and speaking to companies about high performance or any of this stuff or mental health or any of that stuff. So that fight against the German, that was, and I do a great talk and it's called Defined by Two, right? Yeah. And it's based around the two minutes, right? Whereas in that two minutes, round three, when it was level, I got up off the stool and walked in and we fought and time stood still. Those two minutes, I decided to make something, do something different. Yeah. That's it. Those two minutes, I opened my eyes, just scored the next point. The next point, nothing else. Yeah. And I focused on that next job and just wherever it was, the reactions, I scored the shot. And then I scored another shot clean and I knew then, right, the tide is shifting here. Yeah. Stayed in the moment again, another shot. Back setting the stool, got me water, right, one more round to go. Didn't really concede many after that. Just kept scoring. And all of a sudden then, that was it. <laughs> that fight kind changed of everything, yeah. changed everything. But the beauty of it, and I said earlier on, that the, the sweetest thing about that fight was, that was a 50-50 fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Now, I know Olympic qualifiers are very, very hard because I had a raw... Now, don't forget, that was my sixth qualifier. Yeah, yeah. Three for Athens, and that's the third one for Beijing. So yeah. six attempts at Olympic Games. You know? So yeah. we had to give up after Athens, remember? I could have yeah, walked yeah, away. Yeah. Right? But I didn't. I came back. Gave another go and it failed the first two qualifiers. Underperformed a little bit, wasn't really right. But then to come back to sit the sixth time and get it over the line. It's not about doing things the, the hard oh, way. Yeah, yeah, you know? <laughs> but when I got there, the pressure was off, like I said, and that was it then. Open season. Doesn't do not, don't care who I have, just let's focus on the first fight. And that was it. Made me wait perfectly, kept an eye on everything. You know, all my family went to Beijing, apart yeah. from my mum. Right. So I went down to the village once or twice and met up with the lads, my brothers and all, just to just to mm -hmm. disconnect from the madness yeah, inside yeah. the village. I just chill out and have a bit of crack and a bit of banter. I was happy. And when I'm happy, Billy said it before, when Kenneth's happy, his boxing is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I'm happy, I'm content, I'm smiling, I'm having a joke in the dressing room and just everything just happens. I'm not yeah. overthinking stuff. Yeah. What punch should I throw? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just let it flow. It Boom, and off it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just that natural reaction happens then and all of a sudden Holy you're hitting yeah. shots and you go, Jesus, how'd that happen? But yeah, yeah that happened when you're on the floor with Zor. Mm -hmm. Repetition, repetition, repetition. So it's in your brain, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just let it, just express it. Let it flow and box with a smile on your face. 
Yeah. What What does it feel like looking back on it? Like, does it feel like it was yesterday, or does it feel like a lifetime ago? Like, I remember, like, of course, I remember the the, the whole two, two or three weeks in the in the village and, and yeah. different things, you know. But you know, it's it was an amazing time. But it was only two weeks in my whole life, mm. and like, I, I don't. Not gonna diss that, you know, but mm. for whatever reason, I just boxed over my skin for two weeks. You know, me all my career, I've travelled all over the world, come through that airport with no medals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many a time, we're probably one man there with a little clipboard. Well, how's your granddad? You <laughs> yeah, know, for the local rag. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you go back to Beijing with a medal is different gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like, but just a performance-based attitude of one fight at a time, one round at a time. Like you know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. scars. I was winning fights. The first fight was twenty-two-two. So we won 20 point, by 20 points. Second fight was 10-2. Third fight was 8-2. Tony Jeffries' fight was 10-2. So I'd only been hit five or six times yeah, in four yeah, rounds yeah. of boxing. That's 16 rounds of boxing. And then the final round, I was beating 11-7. So not I getting hit, you know. I was, only behind, I was only behind Lomachenko, I think. He got the Val Barker award. Ah, okay. If I had won the, the, the medal... Right now, now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah, yeah, say I'm any, anywhere near Lomachenko, <laughs> Jesus. But well, it was up there behind him, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It, with performances. You know, if he wasn't in the Olympics, I probably could have sniffed it if I had won the final. But yeah. he's different gravy, obviously. <laughs> but uh, we were in training camps with him and Usyk, you know, and just really, to watch them yeah. operate. Jesus, yeah, like amazing. The ballet classes from But me, even, yeah. even with Lomachenko, you know, we'd be sparring and we'd be rotating. And yeah. every time we'd rotate with a different fighter, he was always left on his own. Because no one, no one wanted to spare him. <laughs> <laughs> and even heavier lads, like, he'd be 60 kilo at the time. Yeah, lads, like 63, him. 67. Wouldn't go near him. No. Because he'd hit very hard, you oh, know. I can imagine, yeah. So people would be avoiding him. And he's there, and he's looking around, smiling at everyone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. We'll stick in the corner, dancing. Yeah, you know, he was at that all his life. Mad that messing and dancing, yeah. having the crack, you know. So great to be part <laughs> of those character. camps. Yeah, yeah, Ukraine and Russia and all, you know. So to see those type of things. But brilliant, brilliant talent. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Beijing happened and then it came, it went. And after Beijing then, I know obviously doing our research, things kind of went downhill in, in some ways. And obviously, it was a difficult period of your life at that stage. Yeah, look, look, I'm not going to show you away from you know. Um, alcohol was always part of my life. And you're probably saying, well, how Is did you drink? Up yeah, how did you say, drink yeah. and compete at the same time? Mm-hmm. You know, the body can do fascinating things and can take yeah. some stick, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know could vouch for that because <laughs> I would drink and get myself at the States. You know, I was a binge drinker. Yeah. Love letting the hair down. Now, I mean letting the hair down. My hair was down on the ground. Goldilocks wouldn't have a patch on me now. <laughs> so, train hard, party hard, yeah, drink hard, yeah, you know. Yeah. Love loved the drink. I love the crack. Love the banter, the slag and all that stuff that goes with But, you know, I would stop it in time to get back into camp to get trained, to get fit, to compete, you know. But am I going to say I was 100% committed to the cause of boxing? No, I wasn't a perfect athlete, far from it. Had many run-ins as early as 2002 with Billy Walsh. He was brought in, like I said to you, when the high performance wasn't there, he was brought in as a standing coach. We went to Poland and uh, we had a camp before we had a competition. And I remember um, I hurt my hand, had a bit of a knuckle, sore knuckle. Now, could I have fought? I probably could have fought. Right. But I decided, now I'm going to knock this on the head. I'm not fighting now, make my hand worse. And I decided not to fight. So myself and one of our teammates pondered down into the little Polish village and went on the beer. <laughs> I told Billy, I'm not fighting, my hand's sore, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I, what we being there? 9, 20 at the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Young, and, young and silly, but uh, <laughs> went on the piss anyway. He was walking up passes at one stage and I gave him a wave and all that. You know, he looked at me like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had 10 heads. And the opponent that was supposed to fight didn't know that I'd pulled out or whatever. So he turned up, he was getting ready in the dressing ah. room. But I remember I went back to watch the boxing yeah. with a bit of a gill on me. <laughs> and I'm walking by the dressing room and Billy Walsh is in boots and boxing shorts. Going to step in for me. <laughs> 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 I don't even have a second look. 
And he says to one of the coaches, if I don't knock him out in the first round, fucking the towel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm laughing now at that and I'm probably ashamed of, you know not representing my country and look that was a, a silly mistake by me but Billy Wilde stepping into my boots and bottom, this man he's his, he would have been in his 40s yeah, say, yeah. mid to late 40s getting in with this fella and uh, we don't knock him out throwing the towel you know <laughs> Billy's a gas man and look we clashed at times about that you know and, yeah, but yeah. we made up when, when the high performance started but yeah what happened to Carl Bioy did he knock him out he didn't fight no, he said no but <laughs> Billy he says I know you like boxing and I know you like a row but you're, you're taking the piss yeah. here you know <laughs> well we do laugh at everything I say him like that's, he loved boxing you know yeah, he didn't yeah, want yeah. to let the Polish down either and yeah, yeah. I'll get in type of thing you know in the pair, and a little black moustache and all that you know <laughs> Imagine, yeah. it was hilarious but yeah <laughs> you know, I went at the piss my hand was sore but yeah, was it really yeah. sore you know I come back and I got uh, sanctioned and fined and stuff like that you know so right, it was, that yeah. wasn't great look it wasn't great but um, that's a funny one alright Jesus Billy's a gas man yeah. and actually I wanted to ask you because I'll ask a question first and I'll explain what way it's in if you remember doing that documentary the back from Beijing was drinking something you were doing regularly around that time because it didn't come across at all like it seemed like you were very you know had your head screwed on dialed in leading by example so you would have never thought that you were struggling with well, alcohol at that time like I'd, I'd watched it a while ago there and you could see the rough head me really yeah in the video yeah because that was made after Beijing yeah yeah. and like I, I'm not proud of the person I was after Beijing you know um, I come back to a hero's welcome the whole country knew me mm-hmm and I, I couldn't fathom that, you know. I'd yeah, been traveling yeah. all over the world, like I said, mm-hmm. winning medals, not winning medals, coming back to half empty airport, but this was different gravy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize the hype that would sprung up in those two weeks or three weeks mm-hmm. back here. I'd ring my mom once a day. She was on her own back in, in Ireland while the rest yeah, of the family yeah, yeah. was in, in uh, Beijing. God, Ken, it's getting a bit crazy. It's, get, it's gone mad. It's gone mad. You wouldn't believe it. It's gone <laughs> mad. And, uh, you know, that was all. That was it. I, there was no... No FaceTime or any of this type of stuff. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. phone calls. And I just kept winning and winning and ringing her. Oh, it's, got, kind of, it's madness. And my dad actually left early. He didn't stay for the final. He went home because there was too much happening happened in my man's house. Like, the media are great, you know, on one side. But then there was times where they'd come into the house and set up their tripods and their cameras for the right position. Yeah, this yeah, type yeah, of thing. Yeah. At half six in the morning. Yeah, and my yeah. mom was great bringing them in, making them a bit of breakfast and all this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, they yeah. all loved that. But then they'd leave that evening. And they'd leave the tripod sellotaped to the wooden floor of the sitting room. Oh, the next morning. So my mum was watching Coronation Street through a tripod. (laughs) (laughs) But that kind of invasive behaviour. We're here now for the two weeks, like our lumper. You know, that's when my dad came home early. He didn't get to see the final live. He would come home. But it was just that intrusion, you know. And I experienced that when I came home then. Got off that plane. Things were different. People looked at me different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, spoke to me different. Like people that I'd known all my life pulling me for a photo. You know, yeah, I'd yeah, see you during the week for a point. No, I want the photo now. Just crazy stuff that I couldn't fathom, I couldn't understand. And I struggled with that, you know. So that was one element of it, that immediate intrusion. Mm-hmm. Journalists wanting stories, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About his past, what was he like, any dirt, all this type of stuff, you know. Yeah, and that was yeah, part of it, right. Yeah. But then, for me then, to handle all of that, and just to kind of push it aside, so I said to myself, well, I'm going to win the medal here. I'm going to let my hair down. Party yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I knew I had an issue with drinking long before I got into Alcoholics Anonymous in 2010. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I was drinking recklessly, binge drinking. Lads' holidays, you know, only probably went away there one time, there was 14 of us or something. Me and another lad were the only two to drink the 14 nights. <laughs> Proud of that, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah real yeah. drinker. Lads, you know, yeah. Couldn't get enough of it, yeah. right? So when I came back from the games, that was it. All bets were off. Hatchet time, party time. We deserve it. And I was a horrible person for the day, those two years, letting people down, yeah. you know, uh, telling loads of lawyers just bullshitting 
So there was the pressures of that immediate, intru- the immediate intrusion and just fame. Just that whole... Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. a small country, don't forget, you know? Oh, yeah. Boys then, fast, yeah. Yeah, so just that drinking and allowed me then just disconnect, right? Yeah. Leave that to aside for I'll deal with that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just putting things away while I was drinking. I was drinking too much and drinking too much and then, you know... Uh, not being able to uh, make big decisions, so there was promoters then talking, mm. swimming around, you know, yeah, going yeah, pro, yeah. going to America, this, that, yeah. and I kind of, that dilemma in the documentary really came true, because yeah. it was like, is he going to stay amateur, is he going to go was all pro? that talk, and when I came back from Beijing, I had no interest in touring professional, yeah. I was an amateur, I loved the sport, yeah. true and true, I became a master at it, from mm-hmm. staying in the environment of amateur boxing all yeah. my life, never were in pro gyms, none of that type of stuff, like I said, I didn't know who the pro champions were, yeah, I had yeah, no yeah. interest in that side of it, I wasn't a boxing geek, if you like, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, I started hearing about these promoters coming over and talking this and talking that. I kind of jumped on the on the bandwagon. Right, shall we go over and see what they have to say? Sure, they're flying you out to New York. Yeah, yeah. I went over with my coach and my brother. They, they spoiled us, wined us, dined us, steaks, dinners, the whole lot. They'd leave us then in the evening. We'd go on the piss. Yeah. So a free trip to New York and then I went to LA, same type of thing. Yeah. But deep down, I, I hadn't got that full commitment to turn pro. And then you're hearing about, you know, you sign a contract and they have you for X amount of years. Then if you reach a certain point, they can extend the contract, all this type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the right mind back then. And people ask me, have I any regrets? Because I was offered lots of money. Oh, lots imagine. of money yeah, yeah. from both sides of America. But do I have any regrets? And the guy who actually, he was a, his mother was Irish from Limerick, I think, or Cork or somewhere down south anyway. Yeah. She emigrated and his name was Joey Winters. Okay. And he had recently sold his company he had a, a, a bin company in New York for a hundred million. He sold it. This guy was only in his mid forties, and he wanted to try and find an Irish superstar. He got my number, flew over, okay. had a couple of talks. He flew us back out there, went to his mother's house on, on um, Long Island, wined and dined us for a couple of days. Right, talking about he wants to try and help Irish people. He wants to try and bring a superstar to it. And I was listening to all this and. It's talking about his company being sold for a hundred million, all this type of thing, you know. And look, we'll give you whatever. We we'll get you a good coach, blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, right, okay, yeah. This is not all what he had to say. And uh, come back home then. I continued to be drinking and all this type of stuff. And uh, went to LA then. In the meantime, another trip, another crazy drinking session. Come back, you know, not really looking after myself. And then coming home trying to still compete as an amateur. I was yeah. still amateur, you know. Yeah. But then uh, I remember Joey Winters come back over with the contracts. Right. He was kind of sitting on the fence, going, you know, will I? I won't. I will. I won't. I. We met up in the Carlton Hotel, Liffey Valley, mm-hmm. and he was sitting there all excited, and the paper there was in front of me, and I had a solicitor with me the whole lot, but my guts were in tatters, you know, like, I'm selling this fella a fraud, yeah. Yeah. I'm a fraud here, like, I have bigger issues here than signing on a contract, and I was fearful of signing on that contract, travelling to America, or whatever I was going to do, and set up base there, and not be able to produce the goods because yeah. of my lifestyle. You know, mm-hmm. so an awful lot of money being handed over. Like he offered, he was going to give me a million. Los Angeles promoters another another million or over a million. You know, so crazy stuff. Mm. I, I, I said, and I said to myself, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, I was 26, but really I wasn't really a mature 26 year yeah. old in that sense. And I and I just we were sitting there in the in the hotel, the Clarion, I think it's called. I says, you know what, Joe, thanks, but no thanks. And he was disgusted. You know, you serious? Uh, yeah. yeah. Listen, thanks for being honest. Shook my hand and off he went back to America the next day. And that was it then. That was the end of Pro Talk. Yeah. That was like in 2000, mid-2009, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, nine, I'd say. Yeah, end of 2009. But my drink was getting out of hand. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was just carnage, total carnage. So we couldn't really make any decisions, you know. Um, 
yeah, so that was the story with that. So that fell to the side. And people ask me, do you ever regret going pro? I said, I don't. Jeez, what I have today. Mm. My God, I have peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm sober yeah. over 13 years. I have me health. I'm switched on. God, if I had to sign that contract, God knows where it'd be. You know, yeah, that's that's the other side of it. Like total, it? like journeyman, scrap heap type of. Yeah, making yeah. up. Oh God, You've seen that story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, horrendous, horrendous. Yeah, they seen and did you want to ask a question there? Uh, one more question around that time because I noticed that there was. I'm not sure if it was in an article or a, an interview. Don't you mention it was a a tipping point, something, an experience you had with your ma. More, I think her name is, is it? Yeah, yeah, my mum. Yeah, that. Jesus, she's me rock. She's an amazing woman. Um, you know, it was like there was a few episodes. I'd end up back in the house. I was still living at home after the Olympics, yeah. you know, and and. Uh, coming in the door drunk, falling over, cutting my head. I was in the bath, fell into the bath one night and cut my eye. And she's trying to, she's only five foot, trying to get me out of the bath and into the bed. And yeah. no parent should have to do that, you know. And that worry, the constant worry of her waiting on the guards to knock on the door. She said that to me two years after I got sober. Right. Always waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, that's an awful way to live. My brothers then kind of detached from me, wouldn't really yeah, social. Yeah. We were very close, the five of us. We'd always have a few beers together now, but I just went on a different journey and different type of drinking. And they wouldn't even sit with you, you know that kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, but uh, I was on the piss again one time, and I, I came home and I was lying in the bed, fully clothed, shaking like a leaf. You know the usual the withdrawals. Mm-hmm. My mum came up to the bedroom looking for me to go for a drive, and I didn't want to go anywhere. You know, my mum doesn't drive, so she wanted me to bring her somewhere and get out of bed. Anyway, all full of, you know, huffing, huffing. I'm, you know, I want to stay in bed. She, Come on, she says quick. So we went up the road. She goes, go left, go right, up the road. So I twigged. We were going up the Newlands. Yeah, Newlands uh, Garden Centre, or up to the up to the graveyard up on top of yeah Newlands Kingswood, yeah. Up to up past up towards the square there, there's a small graveyard up on the left there. So we're going to the Belgard, kind of twig. We're going up there, so up we went. And I don't want to be to going anywhere. I just want to be uh, lying by myself, probably going off and trying to get a cure or somewhere. Doing you know, yeah. very vulnerable, very 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 shaken. And uh, got to the graveyard and we went in. It was starting to rain and it was horrible, it was cold, it was freezing. I can still feel the cold today. My mom comes in and she's on her knees. She buried two sons long before I came along. My eldest brother's twin and a, a brother older than me. Okay. Uh, meningitis and cot death, two of them, right? So uh, she's on her knees and she's pulling the weeds out to, 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 trying to make it look presentable. Yeah. And uh, she has a little bag under her knees to keep her knees dry. And I'm standing there looking at her, you know, saying to myself, why the hell am I here? I should be in bed. Full of, full of my own, you know, yeah. worries. So selfish. And uh, she looked up and she says, can it? She says, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to end up here with the two lads. And, uh, you know, how dare I bring my mum to do that? Yeah. Because of my behaviour. She, like, she was clutching at straws. This yeah, yeah. woman got an idea. Maybe I'll bring him up here and yeah, do yeah, this. This yeah. might change him. Like last you know? ditch attempts or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this kind of desperation mm. to stop me from drinking. And uh, I felt terrible for the rest of the day or whatever, back to the house. But I drank again after that. Of course I did, you know. Um, and the story then, you know, with that. But the, the seed was planted, you know. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. doing the right thing here. This drink it was causing havoc. You know, I was kill- it's a slow suicide. I was killing myself, mm-hmm. slowly but surely. But uh, I remember being in town then, you know, the other story I tell about Oliver St. John Gogarty's. I'm on a high stool. Yeah, yeah. Love going to town during the day and going mad on the drink, stupid drinking. The phone rang in the, in the bar and I picked it up. I don't know who today just rang me to tell me that Darren had died by suicide. Yeah. My teammate, who won an Olympic medal with me in Beijing. And I could not fathom that for love, no money, because he was a perfectionist, mm. a fighting machine yeah. who had his life planned out. Talk about me not not I mean being in limbo. This guy had everything sorted. Yeah. Olympics, medal, pro, world champion. That he was, was on him. a good run in the pros as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was winning a couple of fights and 
he was found and I couldn't believe this because if anyone was going to die by suicide, it was me. Yeah. The behaviour, the drinking, the depression, the madness, the hangovers, all that stuff. Um, and to see him, my an idol, I looked up to him because yeah. he was just Mr. Perfect in everything he'd done. Uh, I, I struggled with that something first, but in my mind back then, the thought process in my head was, right, he's going to have to get brought back from England. Mm-hmm. The funeral's going to have to take place next week, some stage or whatever, at the end of the week. So me drinking here tonight, today, we're not going to be called back into the high performance. Right, yeah. So that'll allow me to drink yeah, more. Yeah. It's funny how the mind works, isn't it? Yeah. In those That's me being totally honest here. Now I need to yeah. be honest saying that. I was thinking, this bender's going to last me longer now. Mm-hmm. And it did. No questions asked. Oh, why is Kenneth drinking or not? This is perfect. Yeah. That's the horrible bastard I was back then, you know? Thinking about me drinking, me session, not being questioned. Mm-hmm. Perfect icing on the cake. Went to the funeral. Met his dad. Devastated. Gave him a big hug and he said, Kenneth, don't ever go professional. You know? Lo and behold, was pressures putting Darren to fight on a certain fight when he had a bit of an eye injury. Yeah. Frank Maloney at the time was putting him under awful pressure, talking about taking away his salary and his money back and the rental car and their house, the apartment, the flat, whatever. So massive pressure putting them. But, you know, for someone to, to, to keep that to themselves and not share with their problems and all, you know, it's, it's that's the outcome, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad that he didn't pick up the phone to someone yeah. and reach out. It's only a sport at the end of the day. You know, he was a clever guy. He went back to school late in his life, done a leaving cert in his mid-twenties, you know, because he, he had an education behind him, sports, science, whatever it was. So boxing wasn't everything for him. I had yeah. nothing. Yeah, I yeah, had yeah. nothing. I had boxing, that was it. Mm-hmm. And going back to that, you know, that when that final bell rang for me in Beijing, I dropped to my knees. And the first thought that came into my head was, what the fuck do I do now? Yeah. That was it. My journey was over. You know, yeah. I wanted to be the Olympian. I got there, bell rang that was it I wanted to stay in that ring forever because mm. I felt comfortable you know boxing is my safe space the ring was my safe space then all of a sudden now I'll have to start growing up now and start making big decisions Yeah, live in the real world yeah. and I do say that sometimes I was out in Abbottstown a couple of years ago before the Rio Olympics I had quite a young team and the question I asked the young athletes was the young boxers was what does retirement look like to you and they're all looking at me going is this fella gone mad or what yeah. Yeah. that question was never asked of me what does retirement because you guys aren't all going to be Olympic medalists. Yeah. You won't all be world champions. You won't all make your money out of Olympics. You don't make money winning an Olympic medal either. So what do you want to do other than box? There's so many athletes there now in different sports, rugby, golf, that have a dual career, mm-hmm. educating themselves while they compete. Yeah. You're only training three or four hours a day. You have to think of amalgamating two together. Your studies online or whatever and your bit of training. Mm-hmm. So when you do make that transition, whether it's forced, whether you're out by injury, deselection, or you're just not good enough, you make that transition and say, you know what, okay, it's time to move on. Instead of holding on, fearful of not stepping out, stepping outside that circuit because you've nothing planned. You know, or staying yeah, here yeah. for another year and see what happens. You know, this kind of thing. Yeah, 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 Prolonging absolutely. the inevitable of stepping out into an abyss yeah. of nothing. And that's frightening when you're in your mid-twenties or late-twenties. Yeah, I retired when I was 30. Yeah. So I had a great run at it. Yeah. 30 years of age, walking away from the sport. Now, I had three defeats in my last three seniors, but I kind of, I went to Billy Walsh before my last senior final yeah. in the gym. We'd done a bit of pad work. I said, Billy, this is my last senior. Whatever happens, happens. I'm getting over. He said, I'm here long enough. Can I? He says, you're probably right, he said, you know. I said, look, I'd love to come in here as a coach. I've learned so much from the high performance with Zor yeah, yeah. the last 10 years. I'd love to come in. Kenny he said, we'd love to have you in. We've no funding, but you come in as a volunteer. Right, and I'm 30 years of age. Yeah. A volunteer. Yeah. Like, and I'm thinking, well, I can't walk into the bank with an um, Olympic medal and ask yeah, for a yeah, mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'd laugh you out the door. <laughs> so shit got real for me fairly quick. 
I'm only a number. Mm-hmm. We're all only a number in any job we're in. Yep. You're underperforming. You get deselected or you're misbehaving. Thanks. See it around. Out you go. Yeah. So that was a real kick in the arse of me you now. And I kind of held loads of resentment towards the association. How dare they not give me a job when yep. they're so long. Blah. All that baby ass shit, you know. Yep. Dry your eyes type of stuff. Yep. But that was tough for me. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to step away from Billy. So we'll let the whole performance. That's it. Now I'm walking away from the sport. And I walked away from it. After so many years, God knows how many years I was boxed at that stage. And I said, right, I need, I need to get my shit together here. So I was, in the, I was in sober two years when that happened. Okay. Good amount of sobriety under me. And uh, I was in a good place. A friend of mine, Eric Donovan, mm-hmm. who had done a diploma in addiction studies, was telling me about that. And he says, you know what, I've been interested in that now, but we're going to get down that road. Yeah. And with that, I went down and I got into that, signed my name up and got stuck into an addiction studies course. Two years diploma. Working down in Coomera in a toy. So it was on, hands on in the treatment centre working with people. And it was great. And uh, that was the start of my journey into that mental health field, if you like. Yeah. Done a, uh, an introduction into psychotherapy up in the IICP down in Killinarden. Yeah. And went on down to do a diploma in, or a degree up there. Sorry, I done the introduction there for, sorry, then went to Galilee House in a toy. Then back up there then to do my degree. Yeah. And, uh, you know... I never thought in a million years that I'd have the head for a, a, a degree because yeah, I, I didn't yeah. like school, didn't like teachers, didn't like authority, didn't like any of that. Yeah. But uh, when you're when you're staring reality in the face, you have to make big decisions. You have to step outside your comfort zone. You know, I was comfortable in a boxing ring. Leave yeah. me there forever. Yeah. Leave me talking about boxing or coaching. That, I'm grand. Yeah. But I needed to do something else. And with that then, stepping out and learning about addiction and why addiction and, you know, different environments and how people behave and all that type of thing fascinated me. Yeah. So I got immersed in that. Went on to do a diploma and a degree and uh, that was a great achievement. And my mum always said, you know, your medal's great, Kenneth, your son. Call me son. Yeah, yeah. Your medal's wonderful son. But your sobriety is your number one mm. achievement. And she's right. You know, medal, like I said, you two weeks in August, I boxed out my skin, I won a medal. Fantastic. Great news. When I'm 90 years of age, I pull it out from underneath the drawer and I show my great grandkids and tell yeah, them a story yeah. about Beijing. But what I appreciate more now is that I can get up in the bed in the morning and there's two things I do every day. I put my two feet in the ground and I tell myself I'm a good person because I am a good person. I'm not don't going out to harm anybody yeah. or deceive anyone or tell lies or bullshit or be unfaithful, any of that stuff. I go out and get on with my day, help whoever I can, do whatever I can, make a few pounds as you do and then at night time I go to bed, I say thank you for the gratitude I have for what I have today. Mm. On a daily basis I do that every day because all we have is today. And that's how I stay sober, one day at a time. Yeah. So I'm a good person and I say thank you at night to myself. That's it. Yeah, that's nice how I live my life. Yeah. yeah. So like a day in the life of Kenny, 25 years old, was double training sessions, <laughs> bursting his bollocks in the gym. What does a day in the life of Kenny Egan look like nowadays? You know what? It's, it, like I said, it's fascinating. If you had said to me 20 years ago, I'd be in the mental health field, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. I would, if you had told me I'd be on an Olympic podium, I would have laughed at you as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we never know where our journey's no. going to take us. Now, where will I be in another 10 years' time? I don't know. But I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm quite settled down myself. I'm happy enough with the stuff I'm doing at the minute. You know, doing a bit of training in UFG, doing a bit of coaching with the classes, you know, trying to share some of the stuff that I've learned over the years. And it's a nice little way to do the boxing session, you know. It's not too uh, taxing. There's no full contact. It's nice. I like that, you know. Yeah, I like yeah. Norma Joe Soaps to learn a little bit of boxing. Mm. That's the beauty of it. Um, doing me a little bit of therapy as well then in Clondalkin Village and summer psychotherapy. So staying connected to that as well, you know. And on the local council as well, trying to help out as best I can. That's hard graft because oh, yeah. it's a tankless old game, you know. Oh, I can um, imagine, yeah. No one, no, you can't keep anyone, everybody happy. No. 
But I've learned that, you know, that that's part of that business. And look, I still enjoy doing it. Um, but, you know, I'm fingering a few pies. I'm out in Oberstown now in the prison working with the young lads as well. So I find that very rewarding as well, you know. Yeah, you know, people think when they hear the word Oberstown, detention centre for kids, oh, lock them up and throw away yeah, the key. Yeah, yeah. When you're in there and you're spending time with them and you're talking to them and you're bonding with them, you know, they're troubled kids. Yeah. They're troubled. They hadn't had a chance right from the start. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them are in there for horrendous crimes. I understand that. But there is potential for change in the right environment, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I go in there on a Friday, teach them the basics of boxing, a bit of pad work, that instill that bit of discipline in them, you know. And you know, if they mess around throughout the week, they're not allowed to do the boxing, you know. So okay. there's that little incentive. Really, Behave yeah, yourself. Yeah. You can come down. And you do a bit of boxing. Any messing and it, it gets taken yeah. away from you. And they all love a bit of boxing. A lot of them have a lot of boxing background, yeah. you know. So um, they'd come in and they love me teaching a bit of boxing on, on the Friday. So. Uh, that's rewarding for me, you know, because a couple of lads that were let out there recently have done their time and, and they're different people altogether. I'm yeah, there nearly wow. two years now. And it's, it's just amazing to see the transformation when you give them the little bit of time, the little bit of attention, the little bit of eye contact, mm -hmm. that they feel that they're being heard, you know? It's not about pointing fingers, you're this, you're yeah, that, you're yeah. the other, you know? That's what they're used to. Uh, but when you, you give them a bit of time and show them a bit of compassion, that's when good things happen, you know? Absolutely. Mm. Your story is unbelievable. Like the transformation that... I'm sure there's so many people who watch this and can resonate with that sort of, hopefully they can resonate with the full story of coming out the other side of it, but for you to see how you've torn it all around and are now giving back, like using the downtimes, let's say you might have experienced to go back and help people who are maybe going through something similar, whether it's the kids in Oberstown mm -hmm. or other people through therapy, like I think that's the whole, I think that's the only way you can make struggle meaningful in life and that's the only yeah, way you can yeah, really yeah. use it to be almost like an alchemist to take that difficulty and struggle you went through and then use it for good in the future moving forward help the next person back so just massive respect but like and I do often think you know and I've said this to myself like when I was two years sober and I started my diploma and all that type of stuff yeah I had this vision that if I had kept drinking right from 2008 right through right 10 years later so 2018 maybe I could picture myself I could really visualise myself sitting in, in my local pub, Boomers, yeah, right? Yeah. Up on the bar. There's a lovely photo of me in the corner of the pub, right? With the yeah. medal. But I could picture myself sitting at the bar, nudging some young lad, some teenager, 18, 19 year old. See that fella there? That's me. Any chance you can buy me a pint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that frightens the bejesus out of me. Because that's where I was going. Imagine that. Still living in my man's front room. Mm -hmm. Tormenting her. Week in, week out. Sitting there, going to the pub, Spending whatever money you had and asking some young lads to buy you a drink because yeah. you were famous. Once upon a time. That's frightening. Now, on the same though, I do think of drinking sometimes. Mm. You know? It's there. That little devil's on the shoulder every now and again. He sticks his head up, you know? Could have a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter. But I fast forward 10 days from my first drink. Right? That point of Guinness goes down the neck. I fast forward 10 days and I see what's good, what's there. Yeah. And it's me down in some crazy pub down the arsehole of Kerry. Yeah. With a wad of 50 euro notes that size. High five of some 95 year old. Like, <laughs> tell them some dirty joke. Yeah. And I smell a piss out of my jeans. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's a laugh at experience. But that's as true as Jesus. That's where I'm at. You know, so yeah. I fast forward 10 days, not first drink. And I just say, no, no, this is the yeah, no go. Yeah. I don't like but I have the awareness you see now to do that. Yes, yeah. And with yeah. good awareness gives you good the power to choose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's not for kind of mad thought and all that. Thanks, but no thanks. Mm -hmm. I respect alcohol. I'm not against it. Mm -hmm. People can go out and enjoy their few points. But for me, I have an allergy. Mm -hmm. Once I start, I don't stop. And some people have said, ah, you liked your few points, but you weren't that bad. 
that's fine for them to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm not going to believe their, their, their uh, story, output. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Like I'm quite content with what I have now. You know, I'm quite happy enough now and I leave it at that. So I'm not going to take that risk of having three or four quiet points on a Sunday and seeing where that takes me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to take the risk. <laughs> I've so much built up now. I have a house now, my wife, I have a child who has never seen me drinking. Mm, yeah. You know, I'm sober 13 years. She's only eight. She's eight this Saturday. Yeah. Never seen any of that. So she doesn't know that person, you know, which is great. You know what I mean? That's powerful. Yeah. How has that changed you having a daughter? Has it different, different love altogether? You know. Yeah. Softened you. I love my wife and all that, but this is different kettle yeah, of fish, yeah, yeah, yeah. and vice versa. You know, you know, as she said, the same, the same. But it's just, it's an amazing thing to be able to bring something into the light, into the world that you can love so much. Mm. You know, and you see little bits of yourself in her. You know, yeah, and you're yeah. thinking, oh no. <laughs> 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 but the crack is great. She's a great kid. You know, and, and Jesus, she's a, she's she's great. You know, it's her birthday this this Saturday. She's a Happy birthday. But, uh, <laughs> she's light years ahead of herself, you know. Um, bosses me around, of course. I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I ruin her. Spoiler. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a different type of love. It gives meaning then to living again, you know. We were saying only recently, what would it be like if the house, if we hadn't have her? Yeah. I said, Jesus. Yeah, don't even mention that. So it just shows the power of, of, of another human being, you know, yeah. and in, in the mix. But uh, yeah, t- it's great. It is. It's great. She, she's a great kid. And, and like, I was with that girl before the Olympics. Okay. Karen, yeah, so we I, I kind of treat her really, really bad. I was a bastard in her words. I was a bastard, horrible bastard. And I went off and went drinking and, and acting a maggot for the two years. And she was reading bits and papers and all. Half of it was bullshit anyway. Yeah. But I was a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And I treat her really bad. And five years later, when I got sober and I was back in the headspace, somehow I got her number and I sent her a text to meet up. And she texted back, fuck off. <laughs> That was fair enough. <laughs> and I sent her another text. Look, I just wanted to meet up with it and apologise and all this type of stuff. So she met up again. I faced, that was very strange meeting her for so, yeah, for so long. So. Awkward. And certainly had a chat and the whole lot. And, and you know, whatever happened then, we just started to make that connection again. And she never moved on, you know, and rekindled that relationship and building back up that trust again and all those things, you know. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years later, we had our little Kate, you know, got married, had lived, now lived together. Yeah, it's mad, so big it? message there. Story, good things happen yeah. to good people. Mm. I am a good person, you know. That person back then was it was different. I was wearing masks. I was yeah, living a lie, a total lie. Whereas now, I, you are what you see. You know what I mean? You know yourself. I'm in that gym. I'm just a normal Joe soap. No airs and grace about me. Just one of the lads. Um, I don't look down on anybody because of an Olympic medal. Like I get, to, like I said to you, medals are great, and it's a wonderful achievement. But being sober and being at that human level. And I see it every time I'm in the therapy room, you know, sitting there with someone, I make an eye contact for 50 minutes an hour and listen to what's going on. Actively listen. Yeah. Eye contact is powerful. And they say it's like that there's a third person in the room when that magic happens where someone opens up. Yeah, that and, connection. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Jesus. So that's what's important to me now. You know, that's just everyday stuff is, is important. And that itself is, is amazing. So yeah, we got back together, had the child, the house. And uh, that's it now, <laughs> you know, it's gas, yeah. yeah. Assistance pays off, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I hadn't picked up that phone, yeah, you know, yeah, there you go. So it's those actions, you know, yeah. See, that was beautiful. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. last questions? Nice. I wanted to ask who's going to play Kenny in his <laughs> documentary and <laughs> <laughs> make a movie about it. Yeah. Well, it's between either you yeah, or you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But given you're in the boxing scene, obviously a boxing man, we were chatting before talking about like Irish athletes, Irish boxers who are in there at the moment on the amateur scene. Is there anyone who you're 
watching for coming into the next Olympics now. Yeah, look, we've a few qualified already. I was only out with Kelly there the weekend doing a 5K. I actually run 5K, which was great. And Kelly was there. No, she wasn't running it, she was walking it. <laughs> she has a bit of an issue with her Achilles, I think. She was taking it easy, but... Ah. Like, look at her, like, she win a gold medal in, in uh, Tokyo, and now she's going to defend her title. Jesus, oh, yeah. the stuff of dreams. An amazing athlete as well. You know, that was in the shadow for a long time. Yes. With Katie Taylor, yeah, yeah, so yeah. not really getting a look in. But she stuck through it. Mm. Excuse me. She could have walked away from it. Mm-hmm. No, the sport is not for me. I'm not getting I'm not getting any treatment there, so. But she stuck with it, turned up, and now she's the number one yeah. 60 kilo fighter in the, in the country, you know, and going to defend her title. My God, that's unheard of. You know, that's yeah, Lomachenko stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, She'd be one to look out for. Amy Bradhurst, another one there, um, 66 kilos. Cassidy's good. 80 kilo from, from Waterford. Irish guy, very good. Um, you know, the elites are on this November okay. in the National Stadium. So the winners of those elites will be selected to go forward for the qualifiers in the new year. Okay. So these are big. This is the first step towards the Olympic time, Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whoever wins these will get selected to go to the qualifiers. So I think we have five qualified already, which is great. So... Uh, if you get another three or four on the on the plan, yeah. we'll so, have a great so chance to have a medal hall, you know. Andy Lee on his Todd. That's right. Ago, that's yeah. right. That's right. We started and we qualified five after that. Yeah. Then there was I think there was six or seven after that in London, you know. So and it was three medals the year you went, wasn't it? Yeah, silver and two bronze, yeah. yeah. And then there was four or five medals in London. So, you know, Rio was a bit of a flop. Yeah. And yeah. then we pulled it back that then in Tokyo, you know. Yeah, yeah. So look, it comes around and roundabouts, you know, performance. It's the same in all sports. Things get stale, they need a bit of freshen up. But the coaches are great there. Zara's brilliant. He's a, he's is he a, still around, Zara? He's still there, yeah. Yeah. He's getting old now, in fairness. You won't mind me saying that. Like, everyone gets old, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I just hope there's people in there that can carry the mantle, you know? Um, and maybe it's something I could look at in a couple of years' time when I'm more settled and... Yeah. Looking back at the national squad, trying to get in there as a coach. Yeah. I w- I'd love to give back, you know? Even oh, at junior level. But yeah. we'll see. That's that's down the road. Better man, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Even in the yeah. classes that you'd have put on in UFG, like... You can tell that you love coaching and you love boxing. Yeah, you get a lot yeah, of energy yeah, from it. Yeah, and I, I like the technical side of it. You know, mm. when they give me instructions, I kind of explain. Yeah, and that's yeah. good to know. You know what I mean? So why you're doing, you're doing what, what yeah. you're doing, what you're doing, not just hit the bag or hit yeah, the pad. Yeah, how you deploy it. In exactly. Yeah, yeah, and how it works and why it works. You know, and that's because I love hitting and not getting hit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I was boxing for 25 years and I looked like a male model. You know that kind of way? I know you're going to say that anyway, but uh, I said it first. <laughs> no, I'm slagging, but you know, like I didn't like to get hit. So yeah, yeah. why would you stand there toe to toe and, you know, take so many yeah, shots? Yeah, I wasn't yeah. in, that wasn't my saying. So I like to bring that technical edge to it. Um, yeah, that's you see that in the, in, the, mm. in, the, in the classes. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all good crack. Yeah. Wrap it up with the closing tradition yeah so this is obviously the first episode of our podcast but something we want to bring into the, the following episodes is i want each guest to end with a question and then we're going to ask that question at the beginning of the next episode so i would like you to put forward a question it can be about anything life maybe not boxing because i don't think he's into boxing yeah. <laughs> but like what's one question that you think some is important for somebody to consider at any point in life and then we'll ask it to the next guest when they come in good one that's a good one yeah what question what question i'd ask the next presenter yeah, you're leaving a question here that we're going right, to ask the next person right, right. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Mm-hmm. A vision. A vision, exactly. Always good to see that. You know, have you got a plan? Yeah. Have you got an idea? Have you got a structure? Because you're not going to be the same person in five years. Yeah. You know, yeah. what does that five year, five years' time look like to you? You know. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Long time. Rail number one. Yeah, there we go. Most <laughs> real in the book. Vision. Yeah. Like any, thank you so much for your time. Good stuff, was, lads. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. yeah appreciate Hope this it. comes across. Well, he's going to do his magic display here, is he? Yeah, yeah. Dave yeah. will work on the left. Yeah. Yeah. Make us look nice. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kenny, for 
being honest and no honestly, lads thanks for having me on force one on Jesus pleasure look stick together boys but thanks for sharing so much value in this for I'm sure it will help so many people who are going through different phases of life and you're a shining example of uh, I know in the Olympics uh, like the opening ceremony the captain tends to or just someone who yeah. carries the torch and see you metaphorically carrying the torch now after all you've been through and yeah. once an Olympian always an Olympian you know? that's it so that's it thank yeah. you for coming on and being open and appreciate it super lads thanks for having me thank you man all good then perfecto happy days